Amen. Thankful to be in, in church today. Thankful for all you being here today. Good to see each and every one of you. I'll, I'll talk to you a little bit more afterward. Uh, let me pull up something today. Um, this week we did a uh, prayer, social media uh, campaign, just trying to reach people. All, all the post says, just so you know, the post says this. It just says, do you need prayer? Send us a message if, if you need prayer. And I'll, I'll just read you a few of these. Not the names or anything like that, but just let you know some of the prayer requests. Um, this person here says, My husband and I both lost our fathers in November, then very unexpectedly we lost our only son on January 14th. Please keep us in prayer because we are devastated. There's one prayer. Here's a prayer from somebody that says, Pray, pray for my health, my marriage, and my family. Uh, here's another one. This one was a little bit more detailed. Pray for our oldest brother, Bob. He needs prayer. He has an inoperable brain tumor, and time is crucial. He acknowledges there is a God, but he truly needs to believe and accept that Christ died for him. Confess and receive Christ into his life and heart. Amen. So let's pray for, for Bob. And then this one, uh, I think it was this morning, it says, Please pray for my mind to be healed, my anxiety to be gone, and my marriage to be healed, and for us to be great parents to our kids and stop involving them in our arguments. So just people reaching out for prayer. Um, a few more prayer requests I could think about. Uh, another lady that, that I've been working with and talking to um, had to move, and she's living in a, a motel right now with her kids. And then my wife today, well, this week my kids were super sick. Uh, they ended up getting super high fevers, like 103 for like two days. It was bad. My wife took them to the doctor. They did tests, and they came back with uh, viruses, two different viruses. So they said it may take like two weeks for it to really go away, but my wife, just taking care of the kids, kind of got caught up in that and woke up this morning with chills, not feeling well at all. So pray for my wife, pray for my kids, and let's remember these prayers. I want to just real quick, as we all stand, uh, if you have any prayer requests today, just let's, let's bring all of our prayers before the Lord right now. Lord, we bring every one of these prayer requests today, God. We're praying for this individual's marriage, God, and their family and for their kids, God. We're praying for uh, Bob, Lord, that has an unoperable brain tumor. We're praying for uh, this other family, God, that lost their fathers and also lost their sons. I just pray, God, that you would work it out for this sister, Lord, that's staying in a, a hotel right now with her kids, Lord. I just pray, God, that you would touch her. Touch my own kids, God, with the fever. Just help them to come out of that and recover touch my wife, God, as she's home today. Lord, we have a lot of needs today. I just pray for everybody in this house, God, individually and all together. Lord, that you would just bless us, God, not just with material things or financial things, God, but bless us with good health, bless us with peace, bless us with joy, bless us with hope. Give us, God, a a mind, God, a, a clear mind, God, a clear conscience, God. I just pray, Lord, you give us peace that just comforts us and strengthens us, Lord. We need it, God. In this world we're living in, we're living in a fast-paced, crazy world, God. I just pray that you would give us peace. Amen. God bless you. you may be seated. Uh, today we have with us a special guest, special ministry. I don't know which one, special guest. Uh, sp special. <laughs> Bobby Gutierrez came from... Uh, He's actually going on a little bit of a preaching trip right now. You preached on Tuesday. Where'd you preach at? Gospel Tabernacle. That's in Fresno. And then he's preaching here. And then he's going to be going to Idaho. What city in Idaho? Boise, Boise Idaho. So he's, he's becoming a little bit of a, a traveling preacher lately. Uh, he's doing a good job. He's actually, there's, there's a pastor that's going to the Philippines for a missions trip. And he's going to be covering the church for three weeks while they go on that missions trip. So, hey, uh, Bobby Gutierrez, come. Preach to us whatever you feel. Let's get behind him. I'm so glad to be in church today. Come, brother. Thank you so much. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. God, we love you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord.
Glory to God. If you have your Bibles, don't stand yet. I'm just going to get situated myself. We're going to be going to 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter number 9, 2 Samuel chapter number 9, amen, amen, 2 Samuel 9. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Before we start, um, before we get into the word of the Lord, I want to thank Brother Cosme for the invitation to come and minister. Amen. I love home missions. I love startups. I love stuff like this because this is just the beginning. Amen. This is not the end all. This is, this is the beginning. We all have to start somewhere. Amen. And the Bible says that when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, that they were in the last days. Well, if Peter preached they were in the last days, we certainly are uh, drawing nigh to the coming of the Lord. Can you say amen? And good to uh, see my good friend Jason Dethridge. He's a fellow minister at a Truth Tabernacle. Um, if he don't mind, we'd like to pray for your son. Amen. He's, uh, he's been in Bakersfield for this whole week. His son uh, was involved in a motorcycle accident, dirt bike motorcycle accident, and he's got a broken hip, uh, collarbone, wrist. He's had three or four surgeries already, and he's in recovery, and they're trying to get him transferred back to Fresno. And I called him. I said, hey, well, if you want to come to church, I'll be in Bakersfield. Come on by and, and listen to the word of the Lord. So if we can take Brennan. His name is Brennan Dethridge. Let's take him to God in prayer. Let's bow our heads and pray for him. God, in the name of the Lord, uh, we pray for Brother Brennan. Uh, you know exactly where he's at this morning, God. Uh, pray that you would touch his body, touch his mind. Uh, God, I pray for a speedy recovery. I pray that you give the doctors, the nurses, and the physicians wisdom, God. Uh, oh, God, but we understand that you are the great physician, and you are the healer, and you are a prayer-answering God. And God, we pray for a speedy recovery. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Well, let's get into the word of the Lord. Let's stand for the reading of the word of the Lord out of respect for God's word. 2 Samuel chapter number 9, starting in verse 1, the Bible says, And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. That is the king's English for basically saying, Yes, I am him. Verse 3, And the king said, Is there yet any of the house of Saul that I may show kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan yet, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Maker, Marker, Marcher, excuse me if I'm not pronouncing that correctly, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. And I want you to pay close attention to where he's at. He is in 
a place called Lodabar. Everybody say Lodabar. Amen. Let's put our Bibles down and let's pray that God will have his way. God, in the name of Jesus, we love you, we praise you, we thank you. God, I pray for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I pray that you anoint my mind, anoint my lips, anoint my heart to deliver your message, God. Help me to speak your thoughts and not my thoughts. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen. Okay, before you're seated, turn to your neighbor, shake their hand and tell them there are no pastures there. There are no pastures there. Amen. You may be seated. So, amen. Here in our text, the Bible says that there is a son that is left of Jonathan. And we're going to get into this in a a moment. His name was Mephibosheth. The Bible says that Mephibosheth was in a city called Lodabar. Amen. The word Lodabar simply means there are no pastures there. There are no pastures there. 2 Samuel 4, 4 says, And Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son that was lame of his feet. He was five years old when the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel. And the nurse took him up. So here the Bible is telling us that um, after the death of Jonathan and Saul, that they begin to flee because there was a transition taking place. Uh, David was already anointed to be king. He was anointed, um, according to commentary, 20 years prior to him taking the throne. So David was anointed to be king, but he did not have the title or the position to be king. It took 20 years for him um, to assume the throne of kingship. And here there's a transition taking place. Uh, Tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel. And his nurse took him up. So the nurse took who up? The nurse took up Jonathan's son. The nurse took him up and fled. And it came to pass, as she made haste to flee, that she fell. So I want you to get that picture in your mind. You have a nurse that's picked up a child, and they are fleeing. They are trying to get out of Dodge because there's a transition taking place on the throne, okay? And as they are making haste, as they are fleeing, the Bible says that he fell and he became lame and his name was Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was lame in his feet because he was dropped as a child by the nurse that when they were fleeing due to David taking his proper place on the throne. So Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, was lame. Amen. And he was lame in his feet. Amen. And it wasn't even his fault. It wasn't even his fault. His nurse dropped him, and he became lame. Some things in life, they're not our fault. Some things in life... They are our fault. Sometimes we make bad decisions. 
Sometimes we make a wrong turn in life. Sometimes we take a detour in life. And sometimes it's not even our fault. It's just called life. You know, when you get a flat tire, that's neither the devil or God. That's just called life. When the washer breaks down, that's neither the devil nor God. That's just called life. Things in life break down. Let's lift our hands and pray. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. God, we love you. We thank you. God, we worship you. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Oh, let's just have church this morning. Amen. Let's just have church. So in life, amen, I believe as people of God, sometimes we give the devil too much credit. And everything that goes bad in life, we want to blame the devil when in reality it's just called life. We're going to get old. We're going to break down. We're going to get sick. Amen. We're going to have to go to the doctor. We may have to go to the hospital. We may have an accident. We may need surgery. Those things are just called life. Everybody say life. Amen. A wise old preacher said one time, he said this, he said, uh, when life is writing you, uh, he said, you need to recognize life is writing you. Uh, and when you realize life is writing you, he said, you need to take the saddle uh, off of your back. Uh, amen. And you need a saddle life. Uh, amen. And you need to ride life. Uh, amen. Living for God and just going from day to day. Uh, amen. We've got to learn to ride life. Uh, and we do not need to let life ride us. Uh, can you say praise the Lord? The devil is not omnipresent. Uh, he can't be everywhere at once. Uh, there's only one God, uh, amen, that's omnipresent. Uh, and his name is Jesus Christ, amen. So the devil can't be in more than one place at one time. So he can't be bothering all of us at the same time. Sometimes it's just life. Everybody say it's just life. And life has a way of just riding us down. Amen. We take detours in life. Amen. We all come from different walks of life. Uh, amen. Some of us may have been attending church for a long time. Some of us may just start coming to church. Uh, some of us may be coming back to church. Uh, I believe in the last day and hour uh, that we are living in. Uh, amen. There's going to be a slew uh, of backsliders uh, making their way back to God. Uh, before God comes back, uh, before he splits the clouds open, and before he comes to meet us in the air there's going to be a call of God that goes forth amen and God's going to make that last call to all of his children the saved and the unsaved and it is the responsibility of those that are unsaved amen to fall on their knees because the Bible says every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Jesus Christ is Lord. And when he splits the clouds, that call is going to go forth. And the backslider is going to have an opportunity, amen, to get his heart right, to get his mind right, to get his soul right, because eternity is weighing in the balance. 
Let's worship the Lord. Let's worship the Lord. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Uh, I know if I feel it, you feel it. Uh, amen. I know if my heart's beating fast, uh, I know your heart's beating fast. Uh, you may be saying, man, he's preaching to me. Uh, amen. I'm preaching to myself uh, as I'm preaching to you. Uh, Paul said that lest I become a castaway, uh, I need to repent every day. Uh, just like you need to repent every day. Uh, I need to bow my knee every day. Uh, just just like you need to bow your knee every day. I'm telling you, God is going to send forth a call of repentance. God's going to send forth a call to draw near unto him. And I pray you answer the call this morning. God's reaching for you. God's tugging on the strings of your heart. And God's letting you know, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. You just got to repent of your sins. You've got to come back home. You've been a wayward child too long. It's time to come home. Oh, let's lift our hands and pray. Oh, hallelujah. I can't get off of this. I'm trying to move on in my message, but God's not allowing me to. My God, who am I preaching to this morning? God is calling you back home. God wants you to come home to him and make a commitment to live for him. Make up your mind you're going to serve him. Come rain, come hell, come hot water. Amen. If life rides me, that's okay. I'm going to write life. I'm going to serve you, God. I'm going to live for you, God. I know in life things break down. And God, I may break down, but I'm still going to serve you. Oh, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Oh, hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. Oh, let's, let's lift our hands. Let's pray. Let's be sensitive to God. Oh, I feel like God's talking to hearts. I know there's not many of us here, but God knows who's here. Oh, God, help me. God, talk to me. God, touch me. Let me say this. this I'm still not even back on my message. God's not allowing me to get there. Let me say this about prayer. You know, the Bible says every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess, whether you're right with God or not. We're all going to bow. We're all going to confess. That's the saved and the unsaved. And let me say this about prayer that in life I have found out in my experience that it's better that we humble ourselves and pray than for something in life to have to happen that makes us pray. You know, I don't want nothing bad to happen. And I'm not trying to use a fear tactic. I'm trying to follow the Holy Ghost. You know, I'd rather humble myself. And I'd rather bring this flesh under subjection. And I'd rather put pride on the back burner and humble myself and pray than for something in life that has to happen to get my attention that now I have no choice but to pray. In life things happen, but let's make the conscious decision 
that we're going to humble ourselves. Let's not make God humble us. You see, because God loves us so much, he's going to get our attention one way or another. And I would rather acknowledge God tugging on the strings of my heart this morning than for me to drive away today, ignore the call of God and something have to happen that he gets my attention a different way. You know, there was a time in my life several years ago going through a very hard time. I lost my dad to cancer. My dad's been gone 14, 15 years now. He died lost. That's a whole nother message for a whole nother day. And he fought me tooth and nail when I got into the church when I was 18 years old. And I don't even know why I feel like saying this. My dad died of colon cancer. And, I, and at the time of my life, let's just say I wasn't what I needed to be in God. Wasn't praying like I should be praying. Wasn't in the Bible like I should be in the Bible. And uh, lost my dad. And, and I'm not saying that God caused that to happen, but it was that experience that got my attention. And that I had to decide to humble myself and pray and get a hold of God. And it was during the time that my dad was diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. They gave him six months to live. And I'll never forget the day my wife will remember. I get a call from my dad. And he says, son, you and your brother need to come to the house. We need to take a ride to the hospital. And I said, what's going on? He said, the doctor's got news for me. And he says that we need to round up the family. Well, we knew my dad was sick. And we knew that this probably wasn't good news. And so we met with the doctor. And the doctor said, there's nothing else we can do. You got stage four colon cancer. You have six months to live. And I'll never forget the despair that I felt. I'll never forget all of the human feelings that one feels about life not being fair. Why does this have to happen? Why does my dad have to have stage four cancer? Why does he only going to have six months to live? Well, I'll never forget God getting a hold of me during that time. And, and my wife will remember I would get up every morning at 4 a.m. to pray. You see, something in my life had to happen that God got my attention and I got up every day at 4 a.m. asking God to have mercy on my dad. Say, God, he's not saved. God, I can care less if you heal him, God. Just let him die saved. And uh, it was a couple of weeks later. We went back to the doctor and the doctor said, we don't know what's going on, but it seems like things are slowing down. And my dad ended up living Five years after they said he only had six months. And I give all the glory and credit to, to God. Amen. But I said that to let us know that God will get our attention one way or another. And lots of times it will be through life experiences. You see, God has a plan for every one of us. And we will fulfill that plan or God will, God will somehow, some way get us back on track 
to fulfill that plan. Or we'll be lost and we'll die miserable. We'll die unsatisfied. There will always be a longing in your heart. There will always be a longing in your soul that there's something in your life that is not fulfilled. And people run to drugs to try to fill that hole. And people run to alcohol to try to fill that hole. And people run to adulterous relationships to try to fill that hole in their hearts. They run to tobacco and cigarettes and marijuana to try to fill that hole and the whole time God is just letting you know you can't fill that hole with any of these things you've got to fill it with me you've got to call on my name you've got to cry out to me you've got to recognize I'm calling you oh let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise oh hallelujah Who is this Mephibosheth? Amen. David had a covenant with Jonathan. David and Jonathan were best friends. David was going to be the successor to the throne. Jonathan was Saul's son. And the Bible lets us know that David and Jonathan made an agreement. There's a whole lot here I don't have time to get into. But even the household of Saul recognized that he was no longer going to be king. And Jonathan made an agreement with David. That's found in 1 Samuel chapter 20 verse 13. The Bible says, The Lord do so and much more to Jonathan. But it pleased But if it please my father to do thee evil, then I will show it thee and send thee away, that thou mayest go in peace, and the Lord be with thee. And he hath been as he hath been with my father, verse 14, and thou shalt not only while yet I live show me the kindness of the Lord that I die not. But also thou shalt not cut off thy kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord hath cut off all of the enemies of David, every one of thee from the face of the earth. So here, this is just the king's English. Amen. Jonathan and David are making a covenant one with another. David, the people of David's house. The, the, the people closest to David, uh, I'm sorry, to, to Saul's house, they had recognized that the anointing of God had left Saul. Uh, his own son Jonathan recognized that the anointing is no longer on my father, the king. And Jonathan recognizes who the next king is going to be. And so Jonathan, he, he was David's friend. And Jonathan helped helped David and Jonathan said David I want you to swear unto me that when you take the throne he said because I recognize that the anointing of God is on you and I recognize that you're going to be the successor to the throne he says but before you come in to the place of kingship he said make a covenant with me he said I have showed you mercy David I have helped you. You have been like my brother. He said, make a covenant with me. He said, 
So that way when you come into kingship and when God eliminates all of your enemies, that you will show kindness unto my house. Verse 16 says, so Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, let the Lord even require it at the hand of David's enemies. And Jonathan caused David to swear again because he loved him, for he loved him like his own soul. So Jonathan recognized there was going to be a change here. And Jonathan was telling David, no, I want you to swear unto me, David. I want you to swear unto me you're going to show kindness unto my house when you take the proper place on the throne. So there was a covenant that took place here. What is a covenant? A covenant is an agreement or a contract. It is a treaty or a pact. In biblical sense, a covenant means a binding agreement, a legal contract. Uh, for, for, for an example, be, getting married is a covenant. You have a man marrying a woman and you are making a covenant one with another uh, before God. That is a legal binding agreement or contract that you're making one to another uh, in front of the eyes of God. Can you say Amen. It is a seal between two parties. The word covenant derives from the same root word meaning to cut. In the culture of the Bible, a covenant carried weight and was often cut or sealed in blood. And I don't have time to get into the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, or the new covenant, the new testament that was sealed in blood when Jesus shed his blood on the cross for you and for me. That's another message for another day. But this is where we get that pinky swear. This is where as kids, you know, you have a friend and then you go, hey, let's pinky swear on this. And then you cut your pinky. You know, we don't recommend you doing that today with everything going on in the world. Okay, Don't leave here and say that preacher said we need to. No, I'm not saying that. But that's where we get that from. You see, we think that we thought that up. When we were kids, we were like, oh, this is cool. Let's just pinky swear and cut our pinkies and we'll, we'll be blood brothers. You know, we thought that we thought that up. That comes from the Bible. We didn't think that. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. Amen. There's nothing new under the sun. So if you thought of something, more likely you didn't think of it. It's, just, it's so old that it's coming back and it's becoming new again. Amen. All right. So David who is now king, all right? And I'm still, I'm still preaching on there's no pasture there. There's no pasture there. Uh, Mephibosheth was in Lodabar. And Lodabar simply means there is no pasture there. Thus, my subject for this morning is there is no pasture there. Another definition of Lodabar is nothing. There is simply nothing. So Mephibosheth, which was the son of Jonathan, was in the city of nothing. He was in the city of no pasture there. Uh, not pasture like Brother Cosme, but pasture like grazing animals. There was nothing there. Okay, so David, who is now king, didn't forget his covenant that he made with Jonathan, Saul's son, the, the king at that time, and that they had an agreement. So David sought to fulfill his oath to Jonathan. To protect 
and to show kindness to his offspring, a strong picture of brotherly love and kindness. David summoned Ziba, a former steward of or manager of Saul's royal estate. Ziba was presented to the court. David asked if he knew any survivors within Saul's house. So David, amen, is recognizing that he had made a covenant with Jonathan. And then he begins to ask, is there anybody left of Saul's house that I can show kindness to them? All right, so that's what's going on. And the Bible says that Zeba knew one person, the son of Jonathan, who was crippled in both feet. He was cared for by the house of Maker in Lodabar. David sent for Jonathan's son, Mophiboseth. Mophiboseth humbly and somewhat fearfully entered the court. So we need to recognize a couple of things here. You have, you have Mophiboseth who's crippled. It wasn't his fault that he was crippled. There was a transition taking place in the king's house. And so they had to leave. Okay, the, the, the previous king and their family had to leave. And the new king was taking the throne. So Mophiboseth's nurse picked him up and they're fleeing. And the Bible says in haste they fell. So Mophiboseth was crippled in both of his feet. And it wasn't even his fault. So as they flee, now uh, years go by. And now they're in a city called Lodabar. And Lodabar simply means nothing. And another definition of Lodabar is there's no pasture there. And so why would Mephibosheth be fearful? You see, because the Bible says that he came humbly. And he came somewhat fearfully. Well, you have to, um, you have to understand uh, the Middle East customs at that time that when there was a transition of kingship, uh, amen, the previous king and his offsprings were to be killed. Okay? Because the new king did not want to have any threats to the throne. So they had to kill off the offspring. All right. So according to Middle East custom of the day, the new king would put to death all of the offspring of the former dynasty who might be contenders for the throne. Although it had been many years since Jonathan's death, David was a man of his word, a true follower of the Lord. He had not forgotten his promise. The oath that he had swore to Jonathan, <clears throat> since he had now secured the throne and the kingdom, he could fulfill his promise to his dear friend. So Lodabar, Mephibosheth is in Lodabar. Mephibosheth is crippled. Mephibosheth is lame. And all of this happened, and it wasn't even Mephibosheth's fault. He just happened to, life just happened to him. You see, in, in life, things just happen to us. Sometimes they're our fault, and sometimes they're not. Well, Mephibosheth was crippled in both legs and lame, and it wasn't even his fault. All right? So, he was in Lodabar. Lodabar means there's no pasture there. What is a pasture? A pasture is land covered with grass and other low plants suitable for grazing animals especially cattle or sheep. Plants or grass are feeding, 
for feeding, especially grazing animals. Land or a plot of land used for grazing. Why is that important? Or why is good pasture important? Amen. Managed grazing of pastures can provide nutritious grasses and legumes of forage rations for cattle, sheep, horses, goats, and other grazing animals. Pastures also give the animals the freedom to exercise choice for their diet and recycle their own manure. What are the benefits of having a good pasture? Equally important of good grazing, management helps a farm to be more productive. It's reduced sediment erosion by 87%. It's reduced phosphorus runoff by 13 pounds per acre. Increased carbon levels and lowered ammonia emissions by 30%. Whether a producer is part-time or a commercial uh, pasture, grazer, uh, farmer, good pastures are very profitable. They can provide economical sources of livestock to feed. They reduce labor requirements. They build soil, tilth, and fertility. They reduce erosion and reduce invasion of noxious and poisonous weeds? What are characteristics and features of a natural pasture? It contains soil types that are low in fertility of nutrients. It contains wide varieties of grasses and legumes, which are peas, some of which may not be eaten by livestock. It has a good regenerative ability. What are the benefits of pastures for animals. Animals living on a pasture can move freely and engage in natural behavior. They also experience lower stress, disease, and I find this I find this ironic that they are less likely to be lame. They are less likely to be crippled as well as fewer reproductive problems. So if they're on healthy pastures, they're less likely to be lame. They're less, they're less likely to have disease. Uh, there's lower stress there. They can be more reproductive. Pasture-based animals, production can help to improve soil health and fertility and mitigate some changes in the soil for erosion. Can you say amen? Well, why did I say all that? Because Mephibosheth was in Lodabar, and he was in Lodabar where there's nothing. There was no pastures there. There was nothing for him there to be fruitful, nothing there for him to multiply, nothing there for him to reproduce. Uh, He probably had high stress levels. Maybe because he was crippled and lame, life was riding him there. And the king calls for him and says, come to the court. And obviously, Mephibosheth knows the lineage. He says, I know who David is. He's the king, and he's calling me. He's summoning me to the court. And so there's fear coming along with that because he's thinking that he may, uh, uh, they, they may get rid of him. But David was fulfilling, amen, his covenant that he had with Jonathan. You know, we are a lot like Mephibosheth. 
We've been crippled, and it may or may not even be our fault. Sometimes life has a way to tear us down and to cripple us. So I'm looking at a bunch of people that could be just like Mephibosheth, and you're looking at a preacher that is like Mephibosheth. Amen. Sometimes it's not our own fault why we're crippled. Due to bad decisions that were made by the generations previous to us. And Mephibosheth was experiencing loneliness. He probably experienced depression. He probably experienced purposelessness. Do you feel like you have no purpose in life? Well, I'm talking to Mephibosheth. He felt distress. Have, do you feel distress? He felt hunger because there was no pasture there. He felt poverty because there was nothing in Lodabar. He felt disease. He felt illness. Obviously, he felt disability because he was crippled. And possibly even us today can have those same feelings, maybe even unemployment, maybe hopelessness, helplessness. Do you feel hopeless today? Do you feel helpless today? Well, Mephibosheth, amen, God is calling you to come to greener pastures. The Bible says in Psalms 50 and 10, For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. God owns all of the pastures of this land, and God owns all of the cattle on a thousand hills. And Mephibosheth, God is calling you back home. You were in Lodabar, and you were lonely, and you were helpless, and you felt hopeless, and you were crippled, and you felt stress. But Mephibosheth, the king is summoning you to the castle. The king is saying, Mephibosheth, I've got greener pastures for you. Mephibosheth, I want to extend kindness unto you because I have a covenant with Jonathan, your father. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. The Bible lets us know that Job questioned God. And oh, when Job questioned God, the Bible says that God answered Job in a whirlwind. He said, Job, stand up like a man. And gird up your loins. Because I'm going to answer your questions. And God begins in Job 38. He says, Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? And declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched line upon it? Who hath laid measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened or who laid the corner thereof you see God was basically telling Job he said Job where were you when I put the stars out in the sky Job where were you when I told the ocean it can only come so far Job where were you when I put the sun out there Job where were you when I put the moon out there I'm telling you we serve a mighty God and God owns all the pastures that are on a thousand hills. 
God has everything that you need. God has the answer to your question. God has the answer to your problem. The answer is found in the Bible. The Bible has all of life's answers. Amen. Are you in Lodabar today? Have you been in Lodabar these past many years or maybe weeks or days? You've been out in Lodabar. There's nothing in Lodabar. The Bible says that it is a... There's no pastures there. You feel lonely in Lodabar. You feel helpless in Lodabar. But the king is summoning you today. Let's all stand. The king is saying, Hey, Mephibosheth, I know you're out there in Lodabar. And I know there's nothing there. And I know you're lame. And Mephibosheth, you're lame and it's not even your fault. I'm sure that maybe David probably thought if he could have changed some things, he probably could have told that nurse, hey, there's no need to make haste. There's no need to do this. I got a covenant with Jonathan. And I can see David reaching out to show kindness because he made a covenant. And he's saying, where is Mephibosheth? They said, well, Fibble says in Lodabar, David said, there's nothing out there. There's no pastures out there. And in life, we find ourselves oftentimes in Lodabar. We're out there all by ourselves. We're separated from the church. We're separated from God. And we're separated from God's people. And we're feeling lonely and hopeless and we're feeling like we have no purpose in life because you've been out in Lodabar too long but Mephibosheth the king is calling you the king wants you to enter the royal court there's no need to fear Mephibosheth you've been in Lodabar way too long Mephibosheth come to the king's house the 
king's table. We've got plenty of pastures. We've got plenty of good land. We've got plenty of good animals. Mephibosheth, you're lame and you're crippled, but come to the king's table. I invite you to come to the front and pray if you feel like God's dealt with you.